0: Last week, we started the book of Ephesians. The message title was, To the Saints in Plumnau. And as we continue to look through this book, I hope you take a special note of what this book has to say to you, because this was a letter that was sent to the uh, churches in the province of Asia, but was one that could, be, could have been written to the church in general, including to the saints in Plumnau. So I hope you keep that in mind as we study through this book. Let's pray and ask God to bless uh, this message. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for what you have taught me. I thank you, God, for what you're teaching in your church here in Plovna, that your truth of your scripture is applicable and pliable for each person's life and not just for the people back then. Help us to see these truths today and these blessings today is written for us as well. God, you know, uh, I need your help to preach this message, and I pray that you bless me to, get the, to say the right words and for us all to have hearts to hear what you want us to hear. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what kind of God do you serve? How would you describe your God? I'm standing here today hoping to give you a little bit of a glimpse with how precious and how amazing and how special our God is and how much He really does love you and me. And I know that uh, from a human perspective, we are never going to understand the full extent of His love, at least not here on earth. I don't know if in heaven... After, after we've been there for thousands and thousands of years, if we even have a, a better idea. But God loves us so much, and His love for you didn't start the moment you got saved. It didn't start the moment you were born. It didn't even start at conception. You know how mothers are when they, they find out they're pregnant, and all of a sudden, this, this baby that's like, this thing ain't how small you start out as. And how, how all of a sudden they love this child that they are carrying. They're protective, and they're caring, and they're hopeful. Some start praying, some start talking to their baby from that point on. But God loved you even before that point. And what we're going to see today in Scripture <clears throat> is that God loves you even before creation. <clears throat> it says, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But before we move on, it's important that you recognize that when Paul says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That doesn't include all of mankind. And I wish I could say that every single person who was born was going to spend eternity with God in heaven, but that's not the case. When Paul is saying the word us, he's talking about the saints in Christ Jesus. We looked at this last week. One who has trusted Christ uh, and is set aside for the whole purpose of God. Paul is writing (coughs) to believers and he's saying, "You have every spiritual blessing in Christ." And so there's so much there to be excited for, so much to be hopeful for. if you're if you're sitting there, if you're sitting there and that's not you, well, today's the day to do something about it. You can become a child of God. You can become the saint. you can be become one of the people that we are talking about that God is expressing so much love for for all eternity. If that is you, That you have something else to be excited about. Something to praise God about that's not based off of your outward, uh, external circumstances, but it's based off of how great He is and what He's done for you for all time. So we're going to look at two of five reasons that we have to praise the God and Father who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Reason number one is that God picked me. Ephesians 1.4 says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. He chose means that He selected. He preferred. He chose for Himself. Now we see this this idea, and we we understand this idea, but I'm going to give a couple examples about this. Uh, In Luke chapter 14 verse 7, Jesus talked to to His disciples and He says, Notice how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, right? What were they doing? They were looking for the best seat in the house. They said, there, there is, that's, that's the, the most comfortable seat. That's by the person who's the, who's the most famous. And that's what, the way people are. We, we look and say, that looks like it's going to benefit me the most. And so I want that. And, and God didn't pick you that way. Continue this idea just a little bit farther. Think about the, the NFL draft, I know it says 2019, I couldn't find it for 2022, <clears throat> but think about how people pick players to be on their NFL team. You know, there's, there's kids who have been out there playing football their whole life, <clears throat> and you have scouting reports out there on these kids. You have kids that are coming to the NFL combines, you have them trying out in order to be to have the hope of being picked to be placed upon a team. But the difference between God and these two situations is these people, they were, they had the benefit of looking out there and saying, you know what? This, I'm I'm, I'm making my decision based off of what I see now. I see that this looks like the best seat in the house now. I, I, I looked at all the information. People had to prove themselves in order to be picked to be on a football team. But when it comes to God, he didn't say you have to prove yourself before I pick you. He didn't base it off of what you've done. He says that he picked you before the creation of the world. Before he even said, he uttered a word, before he said, in the beginning, let there be light. Before he uttered those words and got the ball of creation rolling, God picked you. God chose you. If you are the saint, if you are the one who's Trusted Christ as your Savior. You're set aside for the whole purpose of God. God picked you at that point. That's a very exciting thing. That's a hopeful thing. You. I hope that you just let let your mind dwell on that. God loved me. God picked me. He didn't have to choose me, but He chose to pick me. <clears throat> and it says that He picked you to be holy. In his sight, holy and blameless. Holy means to be set apart, dedicated, godly, or as a saint. To be blameless, without fault, free of blameless, faultless, unblameable. Now, a little secret that's well known is not much of a secret. I I couldn't be blameless on my own before God for even ten minutes. I'm a human. I screw up all the time. Isaiah 64.6 says that all my good deeds... They're just like filthy rags. What does God want that for? If, he's, if he was working on cleaning up the car, he's going to want a clean rag. If he was washing the dishes, he's going to want a clean one. He doesn't want a filthy one. And the best I can give him amounts to a filthy rag. So, reason one we have to praise God is that he picked me before the creation of the world to be part of his family. Reason number two is that God predestined me. Ephesians one five says, "In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will." He, in other words, He, he was planning for me. Predestined means that He decided beforehand. He determined be, be ahead of time. He predetermined. He preordained. In advance. So essentially, how this works is that there's a whole bunch of people. You just think about all the people ever to exist in all creation. God can look at all of them before life ever started. And He, he picked you, He picked them, and He picked me and said, I want these people to be with me in eternity forever. <clears throat> God selected some people from the masses to have salvation. And if that includes you, Hallelujah! It doesn't get any better than that. If that doesn't include you, then you're in big trouble. Now, if you're paying attention to what I just said, I just opened up a great big can of worms. What do you mean that God picks who's going to be saved? How is that fair? Well, let me read you a couple verses that kind of help prove this point. In Romans, chapter 9, verses 10 through 16. Romans, chapter 9, verses 10 through 16. It says, Not only that, but Rebecca's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born, or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election or choosing might stand... She was told that the older will serve the younger. Now, I'm a twin. I have a twin brother, and I was born 23 minutes before him. I, I told you the story how they, they, the whole time through the pregnancy, with every baby checkup that they had, they thought we were one big girl. One, you must be in sync heartbeat, very strong, heavy baby girl. Well, I came out the normal way. And then I realized that all of a sudden there's another one in there. So my, brother, my twin brother Ben came out 23 minutes later. You know, and, and I think about myself in this situation. Well, that doesn't make sense. God, how could you say that, he, that I'm going to serve him? I'm the firstborn. How can I serve my twin brother? And from a human perspective, we say that's not fair. I didn't make any choice, I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to prove myself. But this is how election works. If we continue this, it says, just as it is written, <clears throat> Jacob I loved, Esau have I hated. Now wait a second, we gotta stop right there. What do you mean? Jacob was the first or was the second born, Esau was the firstborn, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Wait a second, I thought God loved everybody. That's true. God's not talking about the normal human emotion that we have towards somebody that is. Wronged us, or has hurt us, or has taken something from us, and we have that bit that uh, stored up anger at that person, and we say, I hate them. That's not how God is doing this. This is God choosing to show love to Jacob, where he didn't show love to Esau. So, when God says, I love Jacob, and I did love Esau, he loved both of them, but he showed favor to one and not to the other. So, if we continue this. Verse 14 says, what shall we say then? Is God unjust? From a human perspective, we say, yeah. But Paul says, not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have (coughs) compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. (coughs) You know, the thing is, None of us deserve salvation. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so I have to not get so caught up about this, but look at myself and say, God, why did you pick me? Why did you want Josh, of all people, to be part of your heaven for all eternity? You know, we look at this and we say, boy, that's hard to grasp, you know, possibly. The best way I can I can think of is an illustration I heard about Here I come, Uh, I have a bunch of candy, and if I was here today, I I might be trying this. I have a bunch of candy, and I invite some kids up forward. And I only have three pieces of candy, but there's eight kids. And I'm going to pick out candy, I'm going to give it to to Taven, I'm going to give it to uh, Chase, I'm going to give it to to Noah, And, and that's it. Only three people get the candy. Well, how many kids do you think are going to be mad? Well, probably five of them. But really, they, they, they can't be mad because I didn't promise them candy. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. I just, I just had this much candy, and I gave it away to whoever I chose to give it to you. To, to give to you. And that's kind of how this is with salvation. God loves us. For, for some, it turns out better than others, <clears throat> but nobody deserves heaven. What's really happening is that God is choosing to show favor to some of us, while at the same time allowing other people to face the consequences for their sin. Which is Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. <clears throat> so what do we do with all this? Are you sitting there thinking, I wonder if I'm elected or chosen? Was I predestined? Or if I, am I one of those people that's going to have to spend eternity in hell reaping the consequences for my actions? As you're sitting there, I want to encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity for yourself. The Bible tells us in Romans three twenty, or I'm sorry, John three sixteen, that for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What does that verse mean? That means God loves everybody. Last week in Sunday school, we had a, a good discussion in class. About how God paid for the sins of the whole world, so God loves everybody, and it says, "Whoever believes will have eternal life." D.L. Moody says, uh, "Here's a here's a couple other verses that kind of to show this, if you want to add to this about how much God loves the world and and how all you have to do is believe uh, who." Acts sixteen thirty one believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Romans uh, ten thirteen says whoever calls, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that is you want if you're wondering if you're one of the chosen if you're one of the elect and you want to do something about it. Whoever believes will have eternal life. D L Moody says the whoever wills are the elect. They're the chosen. They're the predestined. The whoever wants are the non-elect. The people who say no to this are those who don't, who are not going to be saved. J. Vernon McGee says, men are not lost because they have not been elected or chosen. They are lost because they are sinners, and that's the way they want it. And that is the way they have chosen it to be. Right? So we, we can get all caught up in wondering. Am I the elect? Am I the chosen? Well, it's very, very simple. If you're willing to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, you will have eternal life, and you are going to be a part of the elect and a part of the chosen. So maybe you're thinking, okay, I'm saved, but what about everybody else? Are they the elect? Are they the chosen? Are they going to spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell? Well, I want to encourage you to do this. To pray and share with those who are the unsaved. If if you have friends and family and you're concerned about who's the elect and who's getting to heaven and who's not, pray for them. John 6.44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I'll raise them up to the last day. No one's going to come to Jesus unless the Father draws them. I didn't come to Jesus on my own. I was a sinner doing whatever I wanted in my sin nature. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything good. I, I couldn't find Jesus. Jesus had to come to me. The Father drew me. He called me to himself. So if you have unsaved friends and family members who don't know Jesus, I'd get on your knees and start praying for them. <clears throat> you know what else you need to do? Romans 10.14 says you need to tell them. You need to tell them about Jesus' is how can they call the one of whom they haven't heard? That's a good question. If I don't know the name of Jesus, how am I gonna call the name of Jesus? And how can they believe in the one who how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it? That doesn't just mean that the preacher who's up here or on his video, you you know, trying to give a message. It means you who are opening up your mouth, taking the scriptures that are right there before you. And saying, here's the gospel. Here's the good news. So if you have friends and family, or you're concerned about the people across the seas who don't know the name of Jesus, and you want them to get to heaven, don't get bogged down. Don't get caught up in about who's the elect, who's the, the predetermined. Get on your knees and pray for them, and open up your mouth and to share Jesus with them. Really, the only, the only time I see predestined getting hairy, a little bit uh, scary, is what about those who have never heard the name of Jesus? And that's a fair question. What about the person in Africa who's, who never heard the name of Jesus? Well, I'd like to encourage you to do a little research. Go to Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. I'm not going to get into that now because that's a different direction. But it talks about those who are not saved. And I think what would be better is for us to pray for them and to share Jesus with them. Now, a lot of people, <clears throat> when it comes to going to heaven, they have, they have one of two or three wrong views. You know, some people think, uh, and I, I've heard this from a, a number of people, I just want to get to heaven. I don't care if I just, I just sit on the very edge of heaven's floor, you know, and everything else is going on and I don't get it rewards. It's just as long as I get to heaven. Please, that's, that's good enough. Some people are like the song that says, prop me up beside the jukebox when I die. Lord, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. That's that's their view, is they don't want to go to heaven tonight. Because it's it's not a place that they they feel comfortable with. It's not a place they feel is going to be that special. But it's going to be better than that. Ephesians 1.5 says this is the relationship. It says, it says, uh, to be better than that you you, you have a special relationship Ephesians 1 5 says he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will all on Jesus it makes him happy it's according to his will that he chose to adopt you adopt means to place as a son now I I have an adopted sister Uh, I've told the story before about when she was three days old, uh, I didn't know she existed. I was playing soccer, and I my soccer coach had a three-year-old daughter, and I, I just thought, man, I'd love to have a sister. And and I went home, and my parents said, we have this girl for for two weeks. She's three days old. And from that point on, she stayed with us. Uh, she was a foster kid for a couple years, and finally we got to a doctor. She has a different mother, a different father. She's a different color, but yet she is my sister, and she is in every way, a part of our family. She's going to equal an inheritance exactly the same as me and my brother and my sister. So she's going to get 25% of a dollar. Just kidding. It depends on whatever the inheritance is. But she's going to get 25%. She was a McLaughlin. Whatever perks or whatever privileges that come with that name, that's what Bethany has. Mally, you guys remember Mally, right? The cute little four year old that we wanted to keep and things didn't work out. Had she, had we got to adopt her, she would have had every right and every privilege that no one king would have had. She would have been accepted into her family 100%, just as if she was our own flesh and blood. <clears throat> you know, in Roman times, things looked very similar. Uh, we're looking at five ways that. Romans looked at someone being adopted into their family, which is really similar to the way God looks us at us being adopted into His family. So please, uh, if, you're, if you're still with me, please follow along because this is really good. You, this is what you are when you become part of God's family. Number one, you're given the rights of the natural born son. <clears throat> it says in Romans 8.15, the spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. That word, Abba, signifies close, intimate relationship as if a child was calling his dad, Daddy. We are given the rights of a natural-born son. Mali could have called me Daddy. My sister Bethany called my dad, daddy just as if she was a part of our family from conception on. Not just from three days on, but through the whole process. We become part of God's family. We have this kind of relationship. We have this intimate relationship with our Father. That's a special thing. This isn't just another person. This isn't just another guardian. This is our Heavenly Father. And this is permanent. You're never going to lose this. God's never going to give you up for adoption. He's never going to turn His face upon you because He loves you. You put your faith in Jesus and this is what you gain. <clears throat> Number two says, what happens when you, when you get adopted in the Roman culture is you lose all the rights of your previous family and you gain all the rights of your new family. Whatever good you could have had, whatever bad you could have had with your previous family, goes. It's bye bye. It's 100% cut off, and it's gone. In 1 John 3:1, we see how great is the Father, that the Father has. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. I went from not a child of God to now I am a child of God, and we're, I'm going to have every right. And every privilege that a child of God would have. That's this is one hundred percent. You become. I don't know how else to put it. You are what you are in line for everything as a child, and as a child of God, it doesn't get any better. uh, Number three, you become an heir to his new father's estate. I've already said. Bethany is going to get 25% of whatever there is when my parents pass away, whether it's a, sho- a shocking million dollars or a realistic $2,000, you know? I and mean, whatever that point is, she's going to get 20- <coughs> 25-, <coughs> 25% of that. She's going to become an heir. You. You put your trust in Jesus. Then you become an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. Equal parts with Christ as a co-heir of Christ. That's what you gain. Who doesn't want that? You become an heir to your new father's estate. And it's permanent. No wrath or no moth or rust is going to destroy. No thieves going to break into steel. It's going to be there forever. And it's going to it's it's going to be the highest quality, the best standard. It's going to be for all eternity and it's going to be yours. Number four says the old life was completely wiped out. Literally, all debt, debts debts were wiped out. If I was a, a different name and I, under that name my family had debts and it's going to be passed on to me I became a McLaughlin let's just say. All those debts went by the wayside. That's kind of how it worked in the Roman world. Ephesians 2 1 and 2 says it says, After you, as for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's what my old life consisted of. That's what I was legally, what my debts were. I was dead in my transgressions and sin. The wages of my sin is death. That's where I was going. That's what I deserved. But once I became a child of God, that all went by the wayside. I no longer have to deal with that anymore. And number five, in the eyes of the law, literally and absolutely the son, uh, I am now the son of the father. That's how it was in the Roman world. Legally, documentation, whatever, it, wasn't, it was just something that was everywhere. I, you became a legal citizen or a family member of that Roman citizen once you were adopted into his family. The same with God. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Citizens with God's people, believers out there around you who have put their faith in Jesus, you are, you are co-heirs with them. You are... You are of God's family with them. You are members of God's household legally in God's sight. You are 100% a child of God. And God has chosen to bless you in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose you before the creation of the world. He picked you. He says, I want you to be part of my family. <clears throat> so let me ask you, we know that those who are who put their faith in Jesus are part of God's family. But what about you? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? <clears throat> are you set aside for the whole purpose of God? If you're not sure, would you like to be? It's very very simple. We all get saved the same way. The Bible says that we are all sinners. We've all we've all lied or stolen or cheated or. You name it, somebody, we're all guilty of something. And because we sin, none of us can get to heaven. Not me as the preacher, not you as the person sitting in the audience, not the missionary, not the guy who's on the radio, not even David Jeremiah, can get to heaven on his own. But God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God wanted you to be part of his family, so he... He did the work. We're going to look at that next week. He did the work so that you could have salvation. And all you need to do is to confess with your mouth, Jesus, your Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So you're just, you're admitting to him what you already know. I am a sinner. And I'm asking God that you please forgive me for my sins and you would give me eternal life. Please help me to live for you from now on. And if you want to pray that prayer, Obviously, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. You can sit there in your own pew and pray and ask Jesus to save you from the punishment of your sin. Or you can hope that you get home today and, and, and do it beside your bed tonight. Or you can hope in three weeks that you're still alive and you get that opportunity. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that. Today's the day of salvation. Trust Jesus as your Savior. Be one of the elect. Be one of the chosen. Jesus died to pay for your sins. Allow that to be applied to your account and have salvation. Let's pray. Dear God, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna say a prayer. If you'd like to pray these words with me, they're not magic prayers or they're not magic words. I'm just gonna confess that I'm a sinner and ask Jesus to save me. If you'd like to pray along, I just want to encourage you to do that. Dear God, I'm a sinner you know the things that I've done wrong and I'm ashamed to admit them. I'm ashamed to that I've, I've done them so many times. And God, I'm just asking that you would please, by your mercy and by your grace, that you would forgive me. Thank you for loving me enough that you chose me and you picked me before the creation of time, before the creation of the world to be part of your family. I'm asking that you would please forgive me for, of my sins and that you'd please give me eternal life. And I pray that you'd help me to live for you from now on. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to close with a verse that says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of what God has prepared for those who love Him. And that includes you too, if you have put your faith in Jesus as your Savior. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and give you peace.